Hey, what's up, Lift Church? Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. My name is Ron Smith, and, and I'm one of the elders at Lift Church. If you're new this morning, so thankful you're listening in. If you've been with us for the last couple of years, man, praise God for you. So thankful that you're part of this. We want to continue to connect with you. Uh, at this point, it still continues to be via online, so please go to our website, liftchurch.info. There's a, a connection card or register that you can register with us. And on that as well, there's, there's prayer requests. It's a prayer request section. We want to be praying for you. Please know that as you fill out prayer requests, we are praying for you. We're praying for the staff and the elders and our prayer team, lifting you up before the Lord. And also, uh, if man, if you're so willing, man, we'd love to have you continue to give to the mission uh, in the life of Lift Church. And, and we just want you to know, every, every time that you give, you know, not only are you giving to the, you know, to the mission of Lift, but you're, you're giving to the kingdom of God. Like, you're impacting and advancing uh, the kingdom as we continue to be generous. And remember, man, we have such this incredible, generous God that loves us so dearly, that has given us so much, life itself. And uh, we just want to continue to be people that give generously back to Him. And, and, we, and we want you to know, Man, we're praying like crazy for our world. We're praying for our community. We're praying for Rochester. Um, in the midst of the pandemic of COVID-19, and certainly right now in the midst of the tragedy, honestly, of the loss of life of George Floyd, as well as just the different dynamics of the different protests that are going on, we need to be praying, Live Church. We need to be stepping into this. And, and I want to encourage you, because I want to encourage you with two things, because people have been asking us, you know, Church, hey, what are you doing? And whenever you think about that, you got to remember this. The church is us. It's you and I. It's, it's not a building. It's not a staff. It's not elders. The church is you and I. So when people are asking me, hey, what's the church doing? My, my response, honestly, is what are you doing? What are we doing? What's God leading you to do in the midst of this dynamic, this, honestly, this just this tragedy as we remember and reflect on, on George Floyd and the incredible racial division that we continue to experience, uh, man, in this world today and in, in the United States, we have to step into this church. Like this is the time that the church can live out the gospel and love people. I mean, we, we need to love the lost. We, we need to love the brokenhearted. We need to love uh, the least of these. We need to be a church like that. And the second thing, church, you got to remember this. That when it comes to you know racial, when it comes to ethnicity, that the vision that God has given to us out of Revelation chapter 7, 9 and 10, the vision that he has is every nation, every tribe, every tongue praising the name of Jesus. Salvation belongs to no other God. So, so I just want to encourage you with that vision that God has for the church. We can live that out today. Let's embrace our brothers and sisters across ethnicities. Let's embrace one another and love one another and support one another at this time. Hey, thanks, church, for stepping into this. And I'm so excited today um, as we start a new sermon series called Unstuck. Uh, I've asked my friend and co-pastor, Pastor John Jew. He's the pastor of discipleship at High Point Church. I've asked him to step in and give us this first message as we launch into this new sermon series, Unstuck. As we do that, let me pray for this time. Lord Jesus, we just come before you. We thank you for the vision of every nation, tribe, and tongue praising you. And, and Lord Jesus, we want to be the church now. We, we want to be living that out now uh, as a church. And so, Lord, help us in that. Lord, we just pray for 
the dynamics and, and the different relationships and, and even the protests that are going on. Uh, Lord, help us to navigate that personally. Help us to navigate that as a church in the healthiest way that we possibly can. And Lord Jesus, now as we open up our Bibles and get into the Word, Lord, teach us, continue to convict us, continue to encourage us in our relationship with you every step of the way. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name.
morning, Live Church. I'm so glad to be able to be here with you this morning. Thankful to your leadership for allowing me to kick off this nine-week series called Unstuck. As we look through and think about the life of Moses and how God drew Moses out and drew him to himself and then ultimately sent him out. And I believe in the next nine weeks, as we look at the story in Exodus, that God wants to do the exact same thing in your life, that he wants to draw you out towards himself and then send you back out. Now, in the past few months, you may have had this experience when you went to the grocery store, you put hand sanitizer on your hands, you put on a mask, and you're in the middle of the cereal aisle, and you begin to notice this itch coming up on your face. Did you feel stuck in that moment? What did you do? I mean, be honest, because I know I didn't itch my face because I was a little bit afraid, and I just kept twitching my eye, hoping for some relief. I mean, all joking aside, we're talking about feeling stuck. And some of you maybe are feeling stuck because of some bad choices that you made. Maybe it's a financial decision. And maybe it was a bad investment, not necessarily because it was a good investment gone wrong, but because it was finances that we didn't have. Maybe it was money that was borrowed that was put into a bad decision. Maybe for some of us, we feel stuck because we made a bad family decision or a relationship decision. People who are wise in our lives told us, don't be a part of that relationship, it's toxic. And now we're living in those consequences. Maybe it was a bad career decision and we're, we're feeling stuck this morning. For some of us, it has nothing to do with our choice. Just recently, I was listening to this interview by a guy named Sean Corey Carter. He also goes by the stage name Jay-Z. And Jay-Z shared about just this oppressive, systemic situation which caused him to be stuck. Listen to some of his part of his story. He says that he was born into the Marcy Home Projects in Brooklyn, New York, which is subsidized government housing. He was a kid. He didn't have a choice. He was born into that stuckness. By the time that he was 10, his father had left his mom, and there was four kids under the age of 20 living in that situation. When his dad left, according to Sean, he left because his brother had been murdered, and he began to cope by using heroin. And there's tremendous pain in his upbringing, and this is not even half of the oppressive, systemic stuckness that he was feeling. You know, for some of us, to whatever extent, the odds seem stacked against us. Maybe in our families, maybe in our workplaces, maybe in our culture, or maybe even in our upbringing. And we are witnessing, even right now, this pent-up frustration and hurt felt by many of our brothers and sisters of color. Right here in your city of Minneapolis, in Chicago, in LA, and today, we acknowledge and we grieve the death of George Floyd. And it is in the midst of systemic failure or even individual choices that we have made that we recognize that life is tremendously and exceedingly complex, isn't it? Choice and environment, decisions and systems that are sometimes much larger than you and I. Have you ever been there? Or maybe you feel stuck right now in your situation. But I do wonder, as we dive into Exodus chapter 2, how many of us understand and take these systemic issues or personal choices and apply it to the biblical character. What do I mean? How many of us, when we read the scriptures, see the person in the scripture, 
not just as one line or one book in a story, but having these amazingly complex narratives being formed around them, that they have conflicts in their homes, in their marriages, with their kids. They have decisions that they make out of selfishness, out of anger and jealousy and greed, but also empathy, generosity, and courage. That there are systems in place in their lives that they have absolutely no control over. So let me just encourage us as we look at Exodus chapter 2 and the story of Moses, that we wouldn't simply frame his entire story as a three-sentence narrative, but to see the complexity as we see the way that God is personally in touch with him as he is in touch with you. So let's take a look at Exodus chapter chapter 2, starting in verse 1 to 3. Just three truths. Here we go. Now a man of the tribe of Levi, he married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. So here's the first truth to help you take the next step. And this is the first truth. We need to understand that God weaves his fingerprint in your life for your good. Now let's take a look at verse 1. And the phrase that I want us to just stop at and pause at is the house or the tribe of Levi. I wonder if you knew that in Exodus chapter 32, Moses becomes the representative. He becomes the man who stands in the gap between God and Israel. He's the one that is chosen out of this tribe. If you look at chapter 2 verse 1, it says, A Levite married a Levite woman. And we're seeing the fingerprint of God being involved in the narrative of this man's life. That he wasn't simply walking through life in coincidences or randomly, but God was involved. He was intimately involved with him. Now I want you to take this idea of God using this man's life, that he was to become a representative and put that and fold that into your mental back pocket. And we're going to take it out later in our time together. But the story, it just keeps building. Take a look at verse 2. It says the word fine. And fine literally means to care about, to be fond of, to want to keep, to see as precious. And now notice the word hid. And that means safekeeping. So when you put it, those two words together, it simply means that Moses' mom hid Moses like a treasure. You know, when I was a kid, I had this Shaquille O'Neal Topps basketball card, and I thought one day it was going to make me a millionaire. And it turns out it's only about 59 cents today, but I took it, I treasured it, I put it in a plastic casing, I tried my best to give it humidity control because I treasured it. And I'm not saying in any way that Moses should be compared to a piece of cardboard or a basketball card, but we're seeing that Moses was truly loved and cared about, that he was treasured like I treasured this card. And if you have ever loved a person, you know what it's like to want to protect somebody, to care for somebody. So when you take a look at verse 3, as the story begins to build, it says, but when she could hide him no longer... The question we have to ask ourselves at this point is why is Moses' mom hiding Moses? Was it because he was ugly? Was it because other, he, she didn't want other people to see him? Well, take a look in your Bibles in chapter 1, verse 22. It reads, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all of his people that every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. 
First, we're seeing the fingerprint of God, the Levitical system in play that God is weaving. And now we see Pharaoh, an outside force of God, attempting to weave his own fingerprint. Sit with the text for a moment. Think about this complex narrative that Moses' mom and dad and his sister and Moses as a baby is sitting in. I mean, imagine with me, Amram, who's Moses' dad, who's a slave, after working long hours, comes home after this edict and says, where is he? Is he alive? Was he discovered? What should we do? How can we protect him from Pharaoh's edict? You know, I guarantee you that after chapter 1, verse 22, no Hebrew mom in her right mind simply said, hey, Pharaoh said, let's kill him, so let's do it. I think in 2020 and for the past 20 years, it's called being a mama bear. And I don't want to touch that subject. But the benefit of having access to the entire scripture is that we get to see the internal motivation behind Moses' parents' decision to hide them. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. And this is what it says about Moses' mom and dad's internal motivation. Why they chose to make the decision to go against Pharaoh and to trust in God. It simply says this, By faith, Moses' parents hid him because they were not afraid of the king's edict. They were saying that we are more afraid of God's holiness, of what God can do, than what Pharaoh can do to our bodies. So the first truth is that God weaves his fingerprints in your life for your good. But second is that my understanding of God's character will determine your choices. Let me say that again. My understanding of God's character will determine your choices. I hope you heard what I said in the beginning, that even in the face of death, they chose to trust in God. And maybe this morning, in the midst of feeling stuck, do you need that understanding of God's character? Do you need to return to reading the word of God this morning to encounter him again, to see him again? Do you need to be reminded of who God is to find courage and strength in your soul? You know, earlier I asked you to take this idea of the Levitical system that God is interweaving a narrative, his fingerprint into Moses' life and put it in your back pocket. Well, I want you to take that out right now and let's take a look at verse three. In verse three, you're gonna find this word basket. And if you're reading in the NIV, there's a footnote. And if you follow the footnote to the bottom, you're gonna see that the word basket also means ark. And the word ark is actually appearing 25 times in the Old Testament two times translated as basket in Exodus chapter 2, 2 and verse 5, but 23 times as this word ark. I hope you see what's happening here. God is reminding Moses and God is reminding you right now that if you have forgotten about God who is in the midst of your stuckness, then number one, just as God used Noah to save the world through an ark, Moses who will be used by God to save his people, is saved from Pharaoh riding in an ark, who then is commanded by God to create the dwelling place of God, the ark of the covenant, so that Jesus, who is the perfect Moses, comes in John chapter 2 and says, I am the new ark. I am the new temple. I am here to save you from sin, from death, from condemnation. 
I don't know what kind of stuckness you're in right now. And I'm not here to minimize the issue or the challenge that you might be facing. But I do believe that somebody right now listening to the sound of my voice needs to hear this encouragement that even in the midst of your stuckness, the only way you will make a choice that is honoring to God, that is walking towards Him, is being reminded, as Moses' parents were, that God is the one who saves us. He is the one who leads us. He is the one who guides us. God provides the ark. The second truth, again, is that my understanding of God's character will determine my choices. This is their view of God. God gave them courage in their fears. What about us? What about you? Here's the final step towards unstuckness. Let's take a look at verse 4. In verse 4 it reads, His sister, that's Moses' sister, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. It's building. And then Pharaoh's daughter, and remember just a few verses ago, Pharaoh's daughter's dad said, if you find a Hebrew baby boy, you should throw him into the Nile and kill him. So it's building. Then in verse 5, Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slaves to get it. Verse 6, she opened it and saw the baby. At this point, this is the climax of every movie, of every good story. He's supposed to die, and Pharaoh's daughter finds him. Let's see what happens. So that he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. She felt empathy for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. I just want to pause for a moment, and I want us to recognize that although we're looking at the life of Moses, God's fingerprint, his intervention, his touch on the life of Moses is not only on his life, it's on Miriam's life, it's on his dad's life, his mom's life, even Pharaoh's daughter's life. And as we continue on in this series, we'll see that God is even interweaving his story into Pharaoh's life. I mean, can you imagine the complexity of being Moses, a step-grandson to Pharaoh? having a stepmom being a part of a blended family, family? Can you imagine how Moses' mom felt even? Not being able to name her own son. The complexities that are interweaving, but God's presence and fingerprint on it the entire time. Uh, let's take a look at verse 7. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. I mean, look at the incredible wisdom of Miriam. You know, commentators tell us that most likely she was anywhere from 7 to 12 years old, that a girl who would be walking along the Nile during the day could not be more than 12 because she would have, been, she would have had to work at that time. And think about the wisdom and even God's presence and providence in this 12-year-old's life. And if you're 12 or if you're a teenager right now watching this video, can I just encourage you, can I just remind you, you are not too young to be used by God. Miriam was full of wisdom. She said to Pharaoh's daughter, hey, this is a Hebrew baby and you probably don't want to raise him. Shall I go back? Shall I go find a Hebrew woman? who can nurse this child until you are ready to take him. Isn't God so funny? Moses' mom 
and Moses' family, they were worried about Moses' life. And at the end of the story, they get paid to raise their own son. That's God's humor for you. That's God's providence and participation in his life and in your life for you. So here's the final, so here's the final step that you need to take to begin your journey out of stuckness. Number three, my awareness of God's presence gives purpose to my pain. My awareness of God's presence gives purpose to my pain. Some of you were born into systems, oppressive systems that you had no control over. But the question is, where is God's presence right now in your life? Where is his fingerprint? And where can you find purpose in the midst of your pain? Some of you have had great loss, a vacuum, a tragedy in your lives, whether it be a child or a parent or friends, and maybe because of personal choice, or again, maybe because of a passed down broken system. The question that God wants to ask you this morning is, will you allow God to draw you out even in the midst of your pain and to be sent out? as agents of healing. Most of you work in non-Christian companies who don't follow the moral beliefs that you might carry. How's God drawing you out to stand for him? Or you might be a student at a school and you're standing alone in your faith. How might God be drawing you out? How is he present in your life? How can we become more aware of his presence even in the midst of our pain? But for all of us, God is asking us through this narrative, why are we here? at this time, with this job, in this school, with this disease or challenge, with this family or with this singleness, with this heritage, with this background, for you at the epicenter about an hour away from the riots around the death of George Floyd, how might God be trying to draw you out to help you see his fingerprint so that you can make choices that reflect Jesus's righteousness, his justice, his goodness, his kindness, and his faithfulness. I want to land the plane here. At the end of this message, I want to remind you about a radical truth about Exodus chapter 2. Moses, everything that we've just read, that we've talked about, Moses is the one who wrote this story. Sit with that for a moment. Moses had the spiritual maturity and insight to say that Exodus is my autobiography. This is the story that God has placed in my life. That God is the one who's using these family systems, these governmental systems, things out of my control, and even the mistakes that he will make in the future as we go through this series. But God's presence, he sees it. He knows it, he recognizes it, and he is ultimately drawn out of his stuckness and sent for God. He says, this is the story of God in my life. Again, third, my awareness of God's presence gives purpose to my pain. You know, your current status, it may seem impossible, but the scripture tells us that what is impossible with man is possible with him. Do you believe that? God says the work that I began in you, he will bring to completion. 
Do you believe that? Will you allow God to draw you out? Or will you choose to sit back stuck? Do you know that in verse 10, and again, this is God's humor, that Moses' name means to draw out. Even in his own naming, God is interweaving his fingerprints and allowing Moses to ultimately make choices, as we will see through this series, that honor God because he sees and knows who God is. How will you allow God to reframe your story? To say, hey, wait a minute. How is God using my stuckness to refine me, to redeem me, to reconcile me, to be more and more like Jesus? In what ways does Jesus want you to become more aware of his presence in your life right now? You see, Christian theology says that God cares about your life, that Jesus, he cares about your life, so much so that he doesn't leave you where you are, but that he wants to draw you out. And maybe you're listening to this message right now and you haven't taken that last final step yet to believe in Jesus. Can I just encourage you, don't let this moment pass you by. Leave a comment on our Facebook page. Email us. We'd love to connect with you so that you can start your journey with Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, don't let this moment pass you by either. Draw near to him. Let's see God's presence in our lives right now in the moment of our stuckness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, so much just for Lift Church. But even more, I thank you, God, for your presence in their lives. I thank you that even in the midst of their stuckness and their challenges, God, that you are right there with them. God, that your presence never leaves them, that you are for them, that you don't forsake them. So God, I pray for a greater awareness, a vision to see how you're moving in their lives. And God, may ultimately the decisions that they make to follow after you be based on knowing who you are shown in your truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.